Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, Quadcast with Quadrodim. My name is Brandon. I'm here with... Wow, two corner. And today we have a guest. Um, <laughs> sorry, the way she's just looking at me like, what's he about to say? But yeah, um, so we have a guest with us today. Um, this is someone I've known from uni. Um, her name is Tara. I will let her introduce herself, say her name and what she does. And then we'll start off. Hi, I'm Tara. I am a technical lead. Okay, um, well, don't worry, we'll get her to speak some more. I thought she was going to be like, I'm this, I'm that, I do this, my hobbies are... She's been very humble. She's been very like humble. That. My hobbies are this and that. But yes, um, so Tara, welcome to Quadcast. Thank you once again Thank for you. coming to do this with us and speaking yeah. with us. It's great and to have you. Yeah. So welcome. Um, so we're just basically discuss and have a chat and, you know, and hopefully we share some good words and yeah, we live here. Happily merry. It's Christmas period, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. So you know, it's what is that, what's that song they sing? I don't know. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells. Right. Are you are you into Christmas? Though? Christmas is a good time of year. Yeah. 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 That's probably not my favorite Christmas song, but oh god, what's? <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna sing. Come on, come on. No, no, Just no. give us a, the the melody. <laughs> no. I, I thought she was about to start. No. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, am I hearing Beyonce vibes in that? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, so welcome. Um, thank you for doing this once again, as mentioned. Um, so we'll just get uh, straight into it. Obviously, we went to uni together and we just wanted to know like what your experiences were. But before that, actually, um, what was your passion as a kid? Like, so before the whole uni, before where you are today, or the reason we asked you to come here today, what, mm. what was that like for My you? My passion as a kid. Um, so I think growing up, the main thing that I was interested in was like art and design. So I loved to draw. I loved like art at school. Brilliant. And the main reason that I even thought about technology is because growing up, my dad was into hardware. So he used to build computers in the living room. Oh. And we'd go, so we'd buy like the shell computer. He'd be like soldering bits of a motherboard together. I wouldn't really understand it, but I knew yeah. like technology was a thing that he did. And he was like, that was part of his work too. Um, so it was a mixture of like, playing on the computer but also doing like art and design sites type mm. stuff those are like oh, wow. my biggest interests do you remember what the f- any like what was the first computer you saw that you're like oh i remember the name or no i don't know the name specifically oh, but, okay you know, yeah. oh, was it one of those you know the ones with the back not the flat screen the do you remember do you remember those computers yeah like the packard bell yeah they're like the big chunky ones yeah, and Machine. Yeah. Machine, and then you have a screen with a big... Uh, yeah, okay. one of them. Oh, nice. I, oh, okay. So you, technology was in your life early then? Definitely, from day one. Uh, no, that's dope. Oh, okay. So do you think your dad's uh, sort of um, enthusiasm in computers and, you know, soldiering stuff is what sort of influenced you a bit? I think so. Without me even realising it, he's yeah. definitely um, an enthusiastic problem solver. Brilliant. He's the kind of person where... If you ask him a question that he doesn't know the answer to, he will spend all night wow. trying to figure out the answer uh, until like 2, 3 a.m. Just <laughs> got it. I've finished this thing. He yeah. still does it today. Oh, and I think nice. that bad habit has almost kind of like followed me. I think it's great. <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely interesting yeah. and like cool to be able to solve the problem. Yeah. Working on it till 3 a.m. in the morning, that's, that's a bit troublesome. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Um, so in terms of art, like, what were you interested in, in in art? Like, were there any specific artists or were you just... I think I just loved, like, creating things. Yeah. Mm. So drawing, especially, when I did art, like, GCSE. Yeah. Painting, I loved. Um, and just being able to go from a blank piece of paper to something, yeah. just anything cool at the end of the day. That's just what I loved. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So you didn't have any favourite artists they told you about? Um, I liked Gustav Klimt. Okay. Um, and there were some other artists that did like this big paintings with like droopy clocks who I can't remember the name oh, of. Oh, Salvador Dali. Salvador Dali, yeah. yeah. That's my guy. It was, was <laughs> really cool, yeah. yeah. Um, and I also went to um, Amsterdam um, last year and I went to, oh, I can't remember the name of the artist, but there's a really famous Dutch artist. Van Gogh. Yes, yes, thank you. I don't know what all the names escaping <laughs> me, but I went to Van Gogh's museum and that was really, really cool. Brilliant. Last year, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, mine, I was only taught about Frida Kahlo in secondary school, which she's amazing, by the mm. way. And she like, when I learned about it, it was inspiring. I learned about her and um, Andy Warhol. However, I'd like to know more about other artists. So recently, I'm actually, I love art as well. So 
I've been looking to people like uh, Basquiat um, and other fields in yeah. like architecture and stuff. So yeah, it's interesting when you, you name all these artists. So like, yeah, that's pretty cool. So um, mm. I also wanted to ask you as well then, you know, do you remember, you know, as kids, we're always getting adults ask us, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. Do you remember what your answer was? I think when I was really, really, really young, I yeah. wanted to be a shopkeeper okay. just because I liked playing with the tools. <laughs> uh, yeah. But when I grew up a little bit, I wanted to be an artist for one. And then I was told that they don't really make money. Yeah. So I shot that idea down really quickly. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted to be a fashion designer. Yeah. And then I was told that design is really competitive. <laughs> so I was like, I forget that. I don't want to do that either. Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody at school said that, oh, there's loads of jobs in IT. So yeah. you should think about that. So uh, mainly um, design, like fashion design and like an artist person. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. What did you say, Brandon? Um, I think so when I was a kid, I think mine was first banker. Yeah. But then I grew up like in a culture where it's either you're bankers yeah. or engineers or doctors. So in yeah. my head, it was banker. And then we moved to Belgium and I used to draw as well as a kid. Um, more like um, animations and things like that. Yeah. So in Belgium, I was in a technical school, so I learned technical drawings, and I was like mm. architecture and maths. I was like, That's "This really is cool. yeah." And then my they were like, "Architectures don't really make money; their job is not stable." Mm. This, 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 this. <laughs> this is <a> That's true. <laughs> so that that then put me off. Moved to then we moved to the UK, and then my dad was like, "Ah, do medicine." Do anything in medicine, you have a job. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in my life, I told my African father, "No." no. Wow. I was like, "If I do that, I'll." Because me and biology, we don't go hand in hand. And then people were like, "Okay, IT is big. There, there'll be job security." There was a guy who was into IT that my dad knew, and I was like, "Okay, this guy is actually doing decent. So if he's mm-hmm. saying it, my son will be fine." To be honest, all I knew about computers was just going on Google. So I was like, "Fine, yeah. I will do IT. It makes sense." So, and then it gives me, it gave me options as well, because it was not just like one particular thing. So in IT, you had like options. So that's what I, I decided to do. So yeah, yeah. wow, banker. You guys are pretty advanced because as a kid, you know, my answer was typical, like everyone else. I was just like football, you know, I said I wanted to be a footballer. And then when I say kid, as in like in primary school, right. Mm. But then I realized that, you know, similar to as you were saying with your dad, I was tinkering with computers. I spent, when I remember my dad bought the first computer. I can still remember how it looks. It was a, um. It was called Packed Bell. It was baby blue and cream. And uh, the minute he bought it, I spent every day with it. I would play games. I would do all this different stuff. And and then I, when my uncle comes around, he'll just be like, oh, could you fix my like printer for me? Like we said in a previous episode, I'll be thinking, dude, I'm not a you know a mechanic or anything. Or well, not mechanic, but I'm not like a, a, you know, I don't fix printers. You know, I'm just into computers. But I'll do it anyway just by Googling. And they'll call me genius and stuff. So, and then I remember getting into secondary school. And people would always ask me, you know, what did I want to do? From early on in secondary school, I knew it was computer science. I knew it was something to do with tech. And that's just based on the fact that I thought, do I like writing? No. Do I like experiments in terms of chemistry? No. Do I like writing essays? No. And I thought, what's the thing I do like doing though, which is spending time with computers. So I decided to just basically pursue being a computer programmer, basically. Not because of like people telling me, oh, it's very, you know, lucrative, lucrative, or, you know, it's a great industry to be in. It was just based on the fact that it's just why I enjoy it. And I was happy that my, my parents respected that. That's really cool. I think that sounds like quite early on as well. Because when I think about it, it wasn't until I was starting to pick my A-levels that I was really thinking about what oh, job wow. I could actually uh, yeah. do with yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. I thought, okay, IT is apparently a good industry to be in, but also I yeah. really like art, so I yeah. picked art. Yeah, yeah. I was good at maths, so I picked maths, and mm. I ended up doing like business A-level. And I remember one of my teachers telling me that it's not really a good combination, you're probably not going to get like a good job out of it at the end. Wow. But actually, the job that I'm doing today probably incorporates them all mm. anyway. Mm. Nice. So it kind of just worked out. Fantastic. That's nice. Because I was, I was gonna say, dude, because I I noticed like me and you said there were reasons why we dropped certain things, and you didn't actually have that reason. Yeah. Do you think like our like culture and environment actually shapes to some extent, or you know, kind of affect our decisions? So I if so. if you were never told, for example, oh, artists don't make, do you think you would have gone a different? That's that's a really good question. I think if like all the things I'd heard about wanting to do art were more encouraging. Like, oh, you can be whatever you want to be. I mm. probably would have still gone down that no, route and yeah. tried to continue like doing art because I really like doing it. 
whereas instead I was like how can I make a good future for myself and mm. have a good job that makes money and I was thinking actually that doesn't make sense and that doesn't make sense because yeah. this is what other people have told me oh, yeah um so I think I've definitely followed like what other people's advice has been I don't know if it's the same for you yeah no it was it was definitely the the same they were like job security my parents were all about job security a backup plan if you have a degree you'll be fine and the reason I was so asking is because my sister she's like 12 mm-hmm. she incredible talent in terms of art and drawing and the way my parents like react to it oh no 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 it's a side of it yeah so i i buy her like the books and the pencils and my people are like why are you investing money into this like my my parents are like, you're wasting your time i'm like uh-uh, i'm not wasting my mm-hmm. time because but they don't see it because to them it's still job security and an artist in any shape or form doesn't have job security but yeah Oh yeah, moving forward. No, absolutely. Just to touch on what you said, like I feel like our culture, yeah, I did get that same, you know, like sort of strict parent advice to go study something that was, you know, would be good for my future. But I think um, because of the fact, I think my parents heard that tech was really good from like, you know, their friends and stuff. They're like, they just let me do it. But I'm sure if I said anything else, they'll have been like, no, because they're always talking to me to think about my future and all this stuff to pick something that's, you know, it's going to make me basically good and well off and all that stuff. So I could definitely relate with what you guys are seeing as well. Nice. So, what did you study at university then? I studied multimedia computing, which I think was one of three computer science degrees at the time. Yeah. So you had computer science, which is what most people were doing. Yeah. Then there was computing for business, business yeah. which there were like a few people. And then I did multimedia computing, which there are like 20 people on. I think they changed the name to computer science with multimedia now as well. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned about your, your dad and is that is that what inspired you to study computer science then at uni? Well, the multimedia aspect of it, now that you've mentioned about the art, I can see why. Yeah. So was that what inspired? So computer science, um, that didn't sound as interesting to me because it sounded really technical. I didn't yeah. realise that multimedia computing was exactly the same, just different, like compulsory <laughs> subjects. And, and it just sounded more interesting because it was like a mixture of ICT and art. It was like a focus oh, on... Yeah developing software for like what people can see yeah oh okay so yeah that sounded really interesting to me at the time really and i'll be honest with you if i knew that existed i'll have studied that instead because oh, really? i'm more on that side of things as well um as much as i like programming and challenge i'm more on the creative side mm-hmm. i like messing around with um would you call it you know the graphics building things the digital side of things as well so i'll have probably chosen that if i got another chance but i don't regret that i studied computer science though no it's funny you say that i would have switched to computer for business oh really like my first month i was asking earlier you remember the 9 a.m java java foundation lectures like i would sleep (laughs) through that lecture i would genuinely like just like sleep through that lecture it was only the lab (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't i thought that was the only one good to know okay good Uh, (laughs) yeah so i was like part of me was like i'll switch to computing for business i I really enjoy um business and the you know that side of things but i was like "Ah, am i going to go back home and tell my dad I left the course that they allowed me. They even said, okay, fine, you can do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Ah, okay, that's good. Yeah, when did you make this decision to like sort of study multimedia computing? It's multimedia computing, right? Yeah. yeah. It was quite last minute, actually. Um, so you pick your five degree subjects when you're applying through UseCAS. Oh, yeah. And I think three or four of them were all visual communication. So they're all really? graphics design courses. Oh. Um, but they required, I think, like three Cs or CCD. And then I picked this multimedia computing one, which was three Bs. And I thought, that like, sounds like a big challenge. Yeah. Let me work towards that one. Um, so I ended up picking that one because I thought, oh, it's computing. I'd done ICT at school. It's probably the same. Yeah. It was not the same. Wow. Um, but also, it's like that combination of design and yeah, computing. And so I thought, okay, yeah. I'm just going to go for that one. Wait, so because I was going to ask, had you done any like computing science or stuff in... No. And then you mentioned your A-levels, which was, and you did ICT. So you're, you're, so it wasn't the same? No. So when I did ICT at school, there's a lot of like image processing or mm. building um, templates with Microsoft Word or thinking <laughs> about it in like business terms. Yeah. Um, I'd never even heard of programming. I didn't know it was a thing until I started my degree. Um, so that was a bit of a shock. I remember my first Java exam, I got like 20 something percent. I was like, this is going to be so hard. <laughs> it was fine like in the end, but that initial... Like going from knowing nothing about programming mm. to straight into you, but this is Java, this is what programming is, there's yeah. all these different types of languages that you can write. It was definitely like a shock to the system. Yeah. But 
going back, obviously I wouldn't change anything, but I wish I'd known a bit more about what I was getting myself into. into it, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm so happy you just said that because I can relate as well. Mm. I came from an ICT background and I had concerns about going to uni. One, because I came from ICT and two, because my ICT teacher told me not to study computer science because it would be too hard for me. What? And also because he failed his first year. So because of that, he went to study ICT in university. So all this pressure, I was thinking, man, excuse me, I'm going to be the only like ICT guy there. And I had concerns about whether I should go study computer science because Prior to that, I've actually never done any programming. I've just like seen code, but haven't touched it. Mm. And you know why if you listen to one of our previous podcast episodes. And, you know, I had concerns going to, you know, study computer science at university. Did you have any concerns or worries going into study, you know, multimedia computing? Because you came from an ICT background. Um, I didn't have like immediate concerns just because I didn't realize there was going to be a difference. Yeah. Mm. I thought it was going to be um, like teaching a bit about design and teaching a bit about like using different bits of software so i didn't think too much about that i think i was just excited about getting some freedom over anything <laughs> brilliant here <laughs> no that space is needed that, that space is needed yeah tell us more about your experience then of studying multimedia computing like how was it over the four years how did you find it i'm sure it's challenging right but was it enjoyable it was really really challenging there was so so much to learn but i think by the end of it i loved it and that's and that's why I ended up like picking really? a career. Fantastic. Yeah, I loved oh, it. Wait, did you did you love <laughs> by the end of it? What programming? Computer science like a whole <laughs> I wouldn't use the word love, it's too strong, but I think um I'm a person who likes challenges. So mm. I liked that it was challenging. So yeah, I would say that bit of it, but I wouldn't say loved, but yeah, challenge. Yeah, like at the start, Java was terrible. Yeah. I didn't understand it. Tell me about but it. But going into like you know, we learned action script and learn about making games. Oh, in yeah. the first year or then doing like learning binary or yeah. random stuff like that that yeah, I didn't yeah. know existed that was quite cool <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Like, series of words isn't yeah, it? yeah exactly yeah. I was like oh I didn't know oh, this was a thing computer architecture yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I remember that lecture now it was so interesting and then going into second year and like I think that's where I learned like, front end development for the first yeah. time HTML CSS JavaScript and being able to take that and make a website afterwards yeah that was I, cool isn't it that's so cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I made that. Yeah. And now I can put it online. That's yeah. really cool. And in the final year, I think the thing that I was most proud of was yeah. building an app. We had a mobile design and development module. And by the end of it, I had this like travel app that you could just like deploy to the app store. It was pretty cool, isn't it? Because yeah. I, I did a similar module as you as well, actually. Um, we built a uh, food app just like Just Eat. Mm. And it was pretty cool. And I was just so happy. I was getting so gassed. I was getting to everyone like, look, I got an app. I built an app. I was just, it's it was so cool though. You guys really speak with this like with such joy. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't have any like fun. You know how I feel about yeah. uni. Yeah, yeah. I don't have like any fun memories of like the projects and stuff. Mm. Like, so I'm surprised that you say like you actually enjoyed it. And those were like your first um, like programming projects. As, as you've mentioned, and yeah. you actually enjoyed them. But I mean, what, obviously at the yeah. start where you're like, you're not sure what's going wrong, yeah. there's something that you're trying to do, but it doesn't really work. That's really yeah. frustrating. But the relief and like joy that you get when you figure that out, yeah. it just makes it all worth literally. it. You like forget about all the struggles that you had. Uh, literally. Uh, nah. Look at this thing that I made. Literally. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I like to call it the programmer's dilemma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you can speak with such, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, yeah. I'm just lamenting. Yeah, yeah, I, know <laughs> I, mean, like, I know Brandon's experiences. I know you hated programming, isn't it? Brandon? Oh, with a passion. Because <laughs> I came to uni, right? They were like, I was coming to uni as I want to study. Um, really, what I wanted to do was build computers. Mm. So when they said they had computer architecture and then UI designs again for my drawing days and all this type of things, so I was like, oh, okay, UI design. That's going to be great. UI design didn't come till final years. Websites and stuff didn't come till second year. Mm. And then the computer architecture that they had, we come in and she's like buses and zero ones. And, and I'm like, no, I thought I was going to like physically touch something. Like, yeah. and none of that. So for me, it was like, maybe I didn't do enough of my research because I know unis were different with their modules, even though it's computer science. Every uni was different. Like we didn't do networking. I think Birmingham University did yeah. networking. You know, so I was just like, ah, this is, it was final year was the only year I enjoyed because I got to pick the stuff I wanted and then it was UI. It was, so all this like first mm. year, that aeroplane project we had in second term of first year, 
still gives me nightmares. <laughs> the the board lecturer from the Java Blue Jay still oh, gives God. me nightmares. So nightmare. I'm just like, terrible. yeah, yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not on this vibe that both of you are on right now. So, yeah. I remember learning Blue Jay, and I was just like. I had a bug once in which I've spoken about in the past mm. and I was up for three hours trying to figure out what the bug was. Do you know what it was? What was it? It was basically two bugs, right? I didn't put a semicolon at the end of my statement. Standard. Yeah. And then the <laughs> second one was I didn't put a capital D on double. You know the type double? Mm. I basically put a lowercase d and I was just like, are you kidding me? And I was just so stressed. But like you said, like I got euphoria when I, you know, fixed it basically. And that's the beauty of being a programmer. It's like a, it's a love and hate relationship. With me and my code, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I think so. yeah, yeah, that yeah. Makes sense. Nah, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> he can't relate because I'm just thinking that error you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. so much trauma. <laughs> like you know the ones where you like if you don't if you name with a capital M, like yeah. you, you create your object and yeah. then you accidentally go put a small and yeah. then you're scrolling yeah. every yeah. line yeah. and yeah. you're written like a thousand lines. I'm just here like ah, oh, Jesus. Anyway, we nah, move on. I we can relate on. with you. I remember when I did come to university though, and one thing I found kind of weird was the ratio of male to female. And I was just like, whoa, we probably had like around 10 females in the whole of computer science. And there was over 100 of us. And I was just trying to figure out, they must have felt kind of weird in a way. Do you see what I'm saying? So do you share any similar experiences? Like, was there more, you know, males than females when you were studying uh, multimedia computing? Definitely. I think out of the maybe 100 people that did the whole of computer science, yeah. the, I think it was exactly the same, probably wow. like 10 females well, or I, maybe. I can only remember three. You can only remember I can remember <laughs> you and there was another black. Yeah, so there's another black girl that girl. did computer science. And then there was a European girl as well who later left to a different uni. Yeah. And that's the only three wow. I can remember. Oh, really? So that I know there was a few... Indian girls that did computing for business. Yeah. Oh, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some European okay, yeah. girls on my course. It was a handful, for yeah. sure. And it was exactly the same when I was doing, like, GCSEs mm. and, and, like, just studying ICT at school. Mm. Like, there's whatever you could choose, what yeah. subject you do. Not many females would choose computer science or computer-related subjects. Mm. And that is, like, an ongoing issue mm. for school, yeah. work, industry in general. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's because I think for me, it was more of like, I came in and it was just like, I was looking for black people first. <laughs> and I was scanning and I could count the amount of like, but I think we did have a good ratio. And then I was looking at the, I was like, well, we are all, it's all guys. Yeah. And then I saw you, I, and I remember some of the lecture rooms actually, where I can pinpoint where people would sit mm. and sit down. But like, in general, how did that make you feel? Did you feel like out of place? Was it a case of like, you know... I think I've generally been used to it from school. Mm-hmm. It's not like I came to uni and all of a sudden there were no girls. It was like, this is, has been an ongoing thing. And it is a shame. And it's definitely something that I think like the industry in general can improve on. Mm. And it's definitely something that I care about in terms of like trying to get young girls interested yeah, yeah. in tech or just like aware of it as Absolutely. a career. Um, because it's a bit annoying when... For example, at work, I'm in meeting rooms of where you look around, it's just men, or you look around, it's just white people. Like, you're yeah. the only diverse person, person in the room. No, I feel you. I feel uh, you. I um, think, I think, even, so I left my old job, I was the only black. Wow. <laughs> my new job now, yep, yep, still the only black yeah. person. Yeah. I mean, the, I would say, though, because I work in the NHS, I would say the ratio of women to men in the, in the NHS is actually very balanced. And even like, so I thought it was probably just lower levels, mm. but even as you go higher up, like the head of the whole hospital in my last job, she was a woman. The woman who, um, the person who came in and took over as the head of the BI unit was a woman as well. So I would say they are doing well in that side. Yeah. And then the other side is just that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I was listening to one of our previous podcast episodes, episode 24, and we were speaking about, you know, um, how locally to us it seems like it's improving like yeah there's a lot of us because I remember coming to uni and I was thinking yeah I saw Brandon Emmanuel E123 and you know James mm-hmm. right and I was thinking yeah this is good and a few other you know black guys and other minorities however as we mentioned in the previous podcast once you get into exposing to the real world like placement you start to see like raw like I'm the only black guy here or second black guy yeah and it's wild it's like where is everyone yeah exactly (laughs) and it's so weird and so i wanted to ask you how was your placement year then what did you do my placement year um i worked at 
Telefonica, okay. they're the brand behind OT. Yeah. Ah. So um, I moved to Slough, which I'm from the Midlands, so that was like the first big move for me. Oh, originally? Yeah. So you're not originally from London? I'm not from London. Oh, no. wow. How come you don't have the accent then? I don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> the one question that everybody accent. asks me. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, so I moved from Warsaw, where I'm yeah. from, out to Slough, and the office there, it was a really huge office, the yeah. O2 offices. I was part of their learning and development team yeah. and I was basically brought in to be able to like build like website mm. pages on their learning system that the people in the O2 stores use. Yeah. So it's like you work in an O2 store, you learn about phones so you can sell those phones to other people. So I build those pages so people mm. could like upscale. That's really cool. It must have been cool like knowing you built something that people are using like the joy that comes from that too is crazy as a programmer. Yeah. You build something, especially when you watch people use it. You're like, I was part of that. That was my work. You know, I was involved in that. Or oh, I built that. So I, I'm sure you were happy about that as well. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Like having that thought that there are people in all these different parts of the country mm. just like looking at the website that I built and mm. stuff. That is really, really cool. Mm. What really? languages were you reading? Was it just like HTML or was it? Yeah, that was HTML and CSS mainly and then oh, a little okay. bit of JavaScript. So I didn't really do that much programming of a person. What was your job title? I think it was learning and development specialist. Okay. Yeah. So it didn't have like any programming type words in there yeah. because technically they shouldn't have had a program in their team. I think yeah. like my manager brought me in just so they can like yeah. change things that they wasn't supposed to change. But it was an interesting experience. I definitely mm. learned a lot there too. So what was like the key thing would you say you learned? What was like some of the key points for you that you took away from placement and that experience? I think just operating in a big organization yeah. and like seeing the politics that can go on. Like just <laughs> trying to, yeah, yeah, just trying to get things done or yeah. change things. Like speaking to one manager who speaks to another person who speaks to another person who says no, but then you kind of work your way around just to mm. get things done. Um, seeing that firsthand, I think was really useful when it came to doing my grad scheme. Because we always talk about like the importance of, even though if you're going to be an entrepreneur or whatever you're going to do, if you're not going to get a nine to five in the future, you should at least once work in an office just to understand mm. like the the politics of it and the system. And I think it also shows you the type of person you would want to be if you were ever in that position. Sometimes I just enjoy it. Actually, my new place doesn't have drama. That's a shame. My old job, they had a lot of drama. So it was always fun just sitting back and be like, ah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I can break the rule for you. Like you'd have managers wanting you to do one thing. And mm. it's like, I'm not technically allowed to do that, you know, and then maybe they try to force you into something and all this type of stuff. But yeah. Um, wait, so when you finished uni, you, you did a, uh, a grad scheme? Yes. Oh, um, okay. Through all of my final year, actually, I was like, I'm not going to like let myself get to the end of the year without finding a job. Yeah. So I think I got my scheme by January, which is great because it meant from January to July in final year, I didn't have to worry about looking for a place to work. I yeah. could just focus on final year. Mm. And then the starting, I think it started in September. So I finished uni, had a few months off and then started my grad scheme in M&S in Paddington. Brilliant. So that's okay. where I started as like a first time software engineer outside of uni. Um and that's where I learned like everything to do with working with other programmers, yeah. different types of programming languages, oh. all the like processes that comes with being a software engineer. Yeah. That's what I learned in my grad scheme. That's brilliant actually. I remember what it was I was gonna ask you now. It was about, you know, the placement and how you know, I remember my experience in placement, it gave me an understanding of what I wanted to do after placement. Mm -hmm. It gave me you know, allowed me to know my career path. You know, I realized that you know, being a data analyst and working with SQL wasn't for me. I wasn't passionate on, on what I was working on. Every month, I was doing the same stuff every month. So I would say the placement year was very important for me. And would you say that was very important for you as well in terms of understanding what you wanted to do after uni? I think there were parts of the placement that I enjoyed. So whether it's like, here's a problem to solve, like build this page. That was the bit that I wanted to take onto like my next role. Yeah. And I, that definitely stuck out to me. Um. Being in a specific, like, it was a HR team. I was like, this is not what I want to continue mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. So I guess it was a good opportunity for me to see these are the good things. These are things I want to make sure I look for in my next role. Yeah. Versus these are things that were a bit rubbish. So let's yeah. avoid these next time. Fantastic. Yeah. So I don't, I like when people are leaving uni, I actually advise against doing a grad scheme. Mm, would, why is that? 
because I, I just feel like, although you learn, I feel like you're trapped for like a couple of years or because it's, it's a time period and you have to stick to that time period. And I'm just like, you can actually just go out there and try. To, well, again, okay, I'm saying this, but you have to depend on your experience and skill set. I think you can actually just go compete with everyone else yeah. and actually just start your career. I, I guess you are starting your career with the grad scheme, but I just like that two, three years where you're in one place. Mm-hmm. What happens if in a year time or a year and a half and you realize, I would like to leave or this isn't for me or, you know, and then you have to just stick it out. So I've, I've always just like told people, I would prefer you because even like I did, I did placement, but not like really through the placement scheme. I actually went to go work. Mm-hmm. And that's how I realized that, okay, this is what I wanted to do. This is what I want to do. So I was like, that went to my CV. I was like, now I can compete with everyone else in that field and improve my skills to make sure I was, you know. So why did you pick the grad screen instead of going like through recruiters or just straight to work? Yeah, I guess I didn't see a grad scheme as something that you're tied down to. It's just mm-hmm. another type of job. I guess the only negative is that it's generally less paid than standard jobs. Yeah. So if you do want to leave, you can leave. Um, the one that I did was only 12 months, so I wasn't oh, tied okay. into it for very long. Um, and the only difference was, one, the pay, and two, that it said the word graduate in my job title. So mm. I was a graduate software engineer. Um, I think the reason that I wanted to do that is because they give you the time that you need to learn. Yeah. It's not like join and make sure you're make sure developing, you're, yeah. like providing value. It's join, take the time, all the time that you need to learn, get up to scratch. Mm. And we're not expecting you to build or come with anything really amazing until you finish the scheme. So you can just spend the time like upskilling as much as you want for that whole year. Yeah, that's I think, right. Yeah, I really liked having that breathing space. Yeah, I think that makes sense as well because I used to share a similar experience with Brandon. Mm. However, because I've been speaking to more people, I've gained a better understanding of, you know, of you know how it works. And also, it also depends on your circumstances as well because I think one thing about grad schemes, as you said, was good is the you have a lot of time to learn, to learn things, you know, and also they introduce you to different parts of the organizations and yeah. stuff. But if you feel like you're someone who doesn't want that, you really know where it is you want to be. Yeah, in, yeah exactly. In your career path, then, you know, go for you know the standard job and also i think the grad scheme really helps a lot of students who aren't really sure because nowadays i speak to a lot of students and they tell me after uni i don't really know what i want to do however you know i'm going to try this grad scheme and hopefully you know it will make sense you see what i'm saying so i feel like the grad scheme gives that sort of process for you to figure out what is you want to do within your industry yeah yeah and i guess another reason um why i ended up going for that grad scheme is because i didn't really have to do that much to get it Mm. i went to so one of the things about being an underrepresented person in tech is that there are lots of opportunities to there are lots of opportunities to find opportunities, if that makes sense. Yeah. So at the time there was this event, it was called IT's Not Just for Boys. Yeah. I'm not sure if they still do it. No. It was um in Bloomberg in London. You just apply on the website and they ask you like a few questions and then you go down to this event. They've got a bunch of companies that are looking for people to come and join them in the tech departments and the idea is that they want to improve their diversity so i just went along to this spoke to a few people and at the end of the event they give your cvs to all of these companies and so mns just contacted me and said can you just come to an assessment center so i didn't even apply for a role there and then i got the job that way so i got to skip out on the application the telephone Mm. interview the online tests and go straight to the assessment center which really helps. Yeah, that's fair. Mm. That was pretty cool. Tell us more about your experience with this role, as in what kind of languages were you programming in? So when I first started, I joined the front-end development team. Yeah. So that was all JavaScript, Angular, yeah. and HTML, CSS. Uh-huh. Um, I was I kind of looked at it as learning from scratch, even yeah. though I picked up a lot of stuff from university. Yeah. It's not yeah. the same as going and doing it yeah. um, in a software engineering the role. The real world. Exactly. Yeah. And there's so many other stuff to learn around it, like GitHub, a bunch of Sprint other tools. and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like learning all about Agile. Yeah. Um, so their main thing was about re- redoing the MS website in a way that had like more up-to-date technologies. Mm. So I learned all about JavaScript frameworks and all about like the front end as a whole and the fact that like it's constantly evolving and changing. And even now, like it's still like a mission to keep up with all the changes that are happening. 
man, especially yeah. with JavaScript, like they're coming up with all these new frameworks, exactly. you know, trying to get to grasp with, you know, ES6 and exactly. all this other stuff as well. And I feel you, it's, it's so fast paced. It's really, really and very difficult paced. to keep up. Yeah. It's definitely know. been nonstop. So I've gone from my learning JavaScript, how it used to be back yeah. in the day, to Angular, to yeah. React, to ES6, to what's coming up next in JavaScript, yeah. and like all the other frameworks like Vue and Ember and Batman. Yeah. And it's like, it's too much. Yeah, yeah, it is. Have, have you touched um, Ruby on Rails? I have touched Ruby mm. on Rails in the future. <laughs> That's his favorite. <laughs> really... Yeah, it was my favorite, actually. Yeah. Oh, it was. Um, okay, it's changed. <laughs> I was yeah, just like, was. Oh, she hasn't mentioned, she mentioned React, yeah. but she hasn't mentioned Ruby. Like... <laughs> Uh, he's going to tell you now, yeah. oh, no, you need to go. No, it, it was just based on the idea that I'm a person who has lots of creative ideas and I look for a tool that allows me to, to build something quick. And Ruby on Rails allowed me to do that. Mm-hmm. But then as of recent, I've been looking for more challenges. So I've been dabbling with new um, JavaScript, ES6, as well as React, mm-hmm. as well as um, Python. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not in the Ruby and Rails fan club anymore, unfortunately. Uh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could have become president. Wait, so <laughs> you mentioned about your last role, you were front end? Yes. And currently yeah. you're a developer at Future Learn. Yeah. Are you now back end or are you still front end? I predominantly do front end. So, our roles at Future Learn are all software engineer, which means you have the flexibility to like pick the areas oh, okay. that you're more interested in. I'm way more interested in front end than I am back end but the future Learn application is a Ruby on Rails app so to uh, get anything done I need brilliant. to know <laughs> yeah <laughs> I need to know some Ruby on Rails to get by um, oh, okay. so that is something I learned since I've been in this company which I didn't have to know m and oh brilliant oh, do you nice. say Ruby on Rails are they looking for any new developers <laughs> they actually are if you are a no, Rails person we are hiring brilliant <laughs> <laughs> Really have to tell her get a job. <laughs> so um, tell us more about FutureLearn and what you do there, basically. Um, you, you told us that you're now a tech lead, right? How's that? Yeah. It's, That's amazing, by the way. Like, thank you. Fantastic. It feels a bit strange. I feel like I'm very inexperienced to be a tech lead because I haven't been doing this job for very long. Mm. And all the other tech leads have been engineers for like 10 years. Mm. Um, I think the thing that I struggle with the most is like the leadership aspect it's like I have a team of people with way more experience in engineering yeah. than me. And it's like, how do I know how to do the right thing to make yeah. sure that they're, they're going to be able to do their job better? Absolutely. It's a completely new experience. So I can't just sit in a corner and code for a bit. Yeah. I need to be aware of what people are doing. Yeah. Aware of like how I can make sure that they're not getting stuck on things or if I can help them block them in any way. It's definitely a whole new like journey for me, I think. So you actually look after a team or... Yeah, so in FutureLearn, we have about six product teams that work on different areas of the site. Yeah. My team is all about the platform and improving things for the other engineers. And so on my team, we have two other software engineers, a site reliability engineer. Then we have like a product owner and a technical architect. And then I'm the, the tech lead that keeps mine all the work that's going on. Yeah, oh, that's really cool. So yeah, what do you do on a day-to-day basis then? What does that look like? So day to day, we have our stand-ups in the morning yeah. to see like what people are working on, if there's anything that they need support with, or just just general check-in. We're working on improving how people work with React at the minute because it's a reasonably new framework, and well, it's not that new anymore. But there are so many changes yeah. that it feels new. Absolutely, we want to make sure that people feel comfortable doing it. People are able to write tests in like a consistent way across the company. So we'll talk about like, oh, what can we do with that in planning? Like what specific yeah. tasks can we do? Who can we talk to about like how do we write tests using React testing libraries at all versus Enzyme, for example. Um, so our general sprints are two weeks. So we'll have our backlog of work for like that two-week period. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that, we'll have a sprint review to our stakeholders, which in our team's case is like all the the engineers in the team okay. or in the tech team yeah so we'll have like a presentation of the things that we've worked on like here's some components core components you can use we're also working on our design system which is like how can we reuse components that other engineers can just pick up without having to rebuild over yeah. and over again and so a general week is stand-ups in the morning planning at the start of the two weeks which is like a one-hour session a review at the end of the two weeks and like a retrospective which is how have the last two weeks been? What yeah. kind of things can we do to improve our like working burger process yeah. for the next two weeks? 
So what would you say is the biggest difference? Because now you've gone from, you know, what you did on placement, you were in a team, it was your first time like mm. being in like a big company, then you did your grad scheme mm. to now you're actually, because as you were saying that, I just pictured you in front of like a group with a board and you're like, <laughs> this, like what's the biggest difference between everything you've done and what you're doing now, aside of obviously you're leading a team, but what, what else would you say is like the biggest difference i think starting out as like a software engineer you can sit back and like let things happen around you Mm. it's like here's a to-do list just pick something and get it done whereas like now it's like i've got to be the one to make sure we're doing the right things yeah Yeah. i've got to be the one to make sure we're prioritizing the most important thing i've got to be the one to keep an eye out to make sure people are like happy um Mm. in their role and are able to progress and develop in their role and keep an eye out for learning opportunities for them so it's going from hey i'm contributing something to how can i make other people contribute more in a way so it's like a different perspective on the same role oh no, definitely i can definitely resonate with what you're saying do you bring sweets for your team oh my goodness <laughs> no you have to be because see at my last role yeah <laughs> yeah in my previous roles i've always observed that my managers or like the head of BI and how they interact. Mm. So there was one who didn't really know the skill set of his team mm. and he would just come in and I think he told, he told you know, we touched on like the ratio of women to men and women in the workplace because he, he told the lady once like she had to rush home to look after her kids and he made, the, he made this comment basically like saying, well, don't have kids then if you want to be, you what? know, so like, wow. and then I have another manager who is like inclusive or, how you doing? How's everything at home? Okay, this is your work. And, you know, so... And then there's one that sometimes brought sweets. So in my head, I'm thinking, what would I be the type to bring sweets? Or, you know, so what's your leadership style? Are you like, oh. yes, your list, wow. do this. Or are you like, okay, guys, you can do it. I'm encouraged, you know. That's a good... I feel like I'm still figuring out what my leadership style is. I'm definitely not a dictator person. It's okay. not like, here's a list of things, you better get it done. Yeah. Um. I am more of like a consensus person. Uh, like, here's our problem. We want to improve how much work everyone can do. What yeah. do you think we should do? How could we go about it? What do you think? Do you agree? Da, da, da. I think that's probably my way of deferring making the decisions Absolutely. because I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. <laughs> but I definitely need to get better at that. No, I feel you. Oh, okay, that's cool. And not micromanage, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Now, I feel you in what you were saying about the leadership part and sort of working with, you know, people who are more sort of experienced in, I won't say experienced, but they're more into deeper into programming in a sense. And I can resonate because with some of the other stuff that I do with my um, startup, my co-founders are just way much more like advanced in terms of programming and they just know much, so much more stuff. And I've gone from basically programming as well to sort of like saying what it is we do next, what's the next feature we're building and it's it's pretty tough as you say it takes uh time to you know to um sort of understand how it works and stuff so how how do you learn the skill on the job then like how do you learn what do you do to to learn i think it's a mixture of things um i think the number one way that i learn is by watching other people do the same thing brilliant mm-hmm. i think with leadership it's more difficult because mm-hmm. you can't just straight up copy somebody else's leadership style Absolutely. it's never going to be natural or new. yeah yeah um I've read, started reading a couple of books. There's um, a leadership conference that I've gone to. I spoke at the first one and I went to the last one. Brilliant. It's called um, The Lead Developer. It's at the oh, Barbican okay. in London every okay. June. And they have like different like tech leads or CTOs or people that come and speak about their experiences. Mm-hmm. And I always find that really interesting to see like different approaches that you can take to leadership. Um, so I think watching talks is something that I've always found as a way to like learn from different people yeah and on like the software engineering side i still do lots of online courses i'm doing an interesting course on react hooks right now React Hooks. that's what i'm doing next oh really yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's by a guy called tyler mcginnis okay he has a really good way of breaking down the topic into ways that just make sense for normal people (laughs) if it's really good like could you send me the link as well i'll definitely definitely, want to check it out sweet sweet this guy's gonna come join your your comments Um, but just to make it a bit more, you know, fun, like tell us about an exciting project you're working on at Future. And I'm like, what's the most exciting project you've worked on? So Wait, are you, are you allowed to tell us? Or is it like top secret? <laughs> NDA. <laughs> it's definitely not a top secret type of company. Uh, oh, that's a good question. I don't know. 
So it's nothing like crazy out there because I think there's a lot of stuff on our platform that we need to do to improve its foundations. Yeah. I think one of the more interesting things that I worked on a little while ago was like changing how people can pay for their courses. Okay. So on FutureLearn, you go, you see a course that you like, and if you want unlimited access, you just buy that course as a one-off. Um, and one project that we did um, in my team, I think maybe uh, earlier this year, was around trying to figure out how we can improve that for like yeah. learners on yeah. the on the platform. And it wasn't like a top down, the senior leadership says you should do this. Yeah. It was let's go out and talk to learners. Let's Fantastic. do a bunch of workshops about like what it is that people want right now and let's learn from them and then build it. So wow. what a lot of comments we were getting was like, well I want to be able to gift this course for someone or I want to be able to pay for like five courses at a time yeah. and stuff like that so we let them to do bundles we let them to do um, different types of offers yeah and then taking that idea from absolutely nothing yeah. to building this whole like unlimited thing that we have now where you pay one price and do as many courses that you mm-hmm. want and seeing all the like learner responses come in it's yeah. like oh, I've changed my life yeah it's so great I've learned about this and this and this and gone on to do that career oh. that's the kind of thing that I really like seeing Man. I love the fact that you said that because of the fact that it amazes me the amount of companies who don't go to speak to their users mm. about what's going on. Like many companies, you see them looking at data, their dashboard, the KPIs and all that <laughs> stuff. And they're focusing Wait, on that stuff, right? KPIs are key. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I view the databases that yeah. help people create KPIs. Don't so get me wrong. Up, up KPIs. It's important, right? As well, you want to like meet with the people who are actually using your stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. They're the ones who are going through day-to-day problems. And I think like being in the startup world has really humbled my eyes on that and seen how important it is. So it's really good that you mentioned that, to be honest, because people think, don't mention it enough. Yeah. yeah. I think, so MNS also used to do like user research, but yeah. because the company was so big, mm-hmm. it's like dedicated team for doing that, dedicated team for doing something else. And working at FutureLearn, where the company's a lot smaller, you can get involved yeah. in so many more things. Yeah, yeah. So I did one um, user research session yeah. where it's just me and then they have the camera so other people are watching from outside. Yeah. And like having that like one-on-one dialogue with somebody that uses the site and like yeah. seeing them rant about the things that like use them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You really get to understand like your users. Yeah. And like mm. improve the site and like know that the reasons you're doing the things that you do. No, absolutely. To help them. Yeah, and it sort of humbles you as well because I remember the stuff we built we put a button somewhere mm. and then we asked like a, we watched the students use it. And then a lot of the students were like, and when I was built, when we were building this stuff, I was like, yes, this is so innovative. Yeah. They're going to like this, right? <laughs> we're watching the students use it now. And they're like, where's the submit button? And you know what the issue was? It was the fact it was a little UI issue. The fact that number one, the color was blending into the background mm. so much. And number two, it didn't have the cursor to let you know it was, you know, it was clickable. So something as little as that can, yeah, yeah, can mess up your user experience, but you don't know stuff like that until you're actually in the field watching how your users are using your product. So mm. that's very interesting. Ah, that's that, that's dope. Okay, so you're here now and being uni. And so one of the questions we, or debate, conversations, whatever you want to call it, we always have <laughs> is how important is uni, you know, to, or how important is your degree in terms of your career, especially in the career we're in, in like, it's still young. Yeah. People can go to Udemy, Future Learn, learn what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So would you say uni is important in terms of like building a career or I'd say it's definitely not important, but it also depends on your character. Oh, so for okay. me, it was really important. There's no way that I would have gone and learned what I needed to do to mm. get a job in this industry. It wouldn't have happened where there are so many people that I work with right now that are self taught developers mm. that like dedicated every evening to doing like an online course to the point where they could do an interview and like do a coding test and ace that and get their first job like i think what's great about those people is that they also bring like completely different knowledge area and experience so one of my friends used to work in marketing for 10 years Mm. then learn how to code by herself at home and then got a job as a software engineer. And now she has all of that like background experience in a completely different area. Uh, yeah, but yeah. also knows how to code. Like that's really cool. And one of the things that I don't have because I just went straight into it. So I think it definitely depends on like what your character is. If you think that you have the dedication to like learn how to code at home, yeah. then you don't need to go to the, at all. So we, we always do mention that if you are going to do it, you do have to have the discipline mm, and you know, the commitment to definitely. actually stick to it so not just saying oh 
they said uni is not compulsory or computer mm. science. I can learn it at home and then you're yeah. chilling at home. <laughs> and they just chill. Yeah. Netflix are free. And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, that's what we always say as well, basically. And I feel like things are changing because how we learn has changed. You know, now you could do an online course and, you know, be dedicated to it. And that online course, for example, like Udacity, would teach you things like, you know, how to program as yeah. well as how to secure your first job. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? So the paradigm is really changing on how, you know, we get into tech and as well yeah. as how we're learning these new skills. So it really depends on who you are and how disciplined and dedicated, as you mentioned. So, yeah. yeah. Another popular thing right now is boot camps. Yeah, boot camps. Yeah, yeah. Makers yeah. Academy. Although really expensive, I think yeah. it's like £9,000 for yeah. three months or something. However, right. Would you pay nine thousand pounds for three months or for four years? It's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Yeah, there are lots of people that have gone Mm. from makers to straight into full time roles as engineers. Absolutely. Mm. No, that's awesome. Wait, wait. Would you allow your kid to not go to uni? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it depends if they had a solid plan of what they wanted to do. Mm. I would allow it. Okay. I would say they should still go to get that freedom, learn how to live away from home. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that that is one thing you 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 get in uni is um, the independence, mm. learning how to be on your own, and also just networking and exactly. meeting new people. So absolutely, I think I don't know if our previous guest was the one that said it, but I resonated with what he said. Someone like him, he said uni was right for him because like I could resonate. He was introverted, so he really really needed to learn how to communicate with people, and that's yeah. what group projects does. Yeah. You know, learn how to present all these different skill sets mm. you didn't have before. And I think like if you're a person who doesn't have those skill sets or those attributes, you know, then I'll definitely say, you know, uni is probably one you might want to consider. Or the boot camps, as you said as well. Yeah, so true, yeah. just make sure you know what your options are because I've never used the word compulsory for anything based on the fact that there's more than one option for everything. So just mm-hmm. make sure you're looking at all possible, you know, aspects of things. Mm-hmm. So you say your degree has helped you in the real world then? Because earlier you alluded to, you know, you being in uni and going into the real world and suddenly the stuff you're doing is it's different it's, it's a jump right yes they taught you the basics and foundations of programming however in the real world you're putting it into practice i for me it was definitely useful yeah. so while there was a jump they still taught me the foundations yeah. and when i'm still doing stuff today there are like people that don't have some of like computer science foundations that i got from university yeah and while things are a little bit easier to make sense for me than yeah. they are for them. I put that to going and doing a degree in it yeah. and like learning about all the different aspects of yeah. computer science. So I think for me, it was really useful. That's good. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, scroll through your Twitter. Yeah. A little bit. Well, more than a little bit. Stalking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, just a background research, isn't it? Yeah, um, I, see, know, just, I see. Uh, just making sure that, you know, uh, Tara didn't switch ways after uni. I'm, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, um, but saw that you're an ambassador for STEM. STEM, STEM, yeah. STEM, sorry. So can you tell us a bit about that? What does that entail? Yeah, so STEM stands for, what is it? Science, Technology, Engineering and Maths. And, maths, yeah. and they're the key subjects that are, I guess they have a huge lack of diversity. Mm. So there's this organization, um, STEM, who are connected with loads of schools and loads of organizations and want to get people that actually work in tech to talk to kids and youth about what it's like yeah. with the aim of like getting more people into the tech industry because right now there's a huge skills gap yeah um so i i work with them um it's not like a every week you do a specific thing it's like you see what kind of events they've got on and yeah. you can just ask to be involved in speaking at a careers event at a school or oh, going okay. and talking to a few kids about what it's like to be a software engineer so i've done a couple of events about like a day in the life of a software engineer just telling them what it's like that's pretty cool how much money they can expect to yeah earn. and that's the bit you want to hear isn't it and the fact that it's like it doesn't have to be a specific type of person that goes into it yeah like it's an empowering job for anyone that's fantastic man Speaking about like it being empowering and, you know, anybody can go into it. And we mentioned earlier about the ratio of like females to male in mm. uni. Um, why do you think, because I would like to think that it has improved from our time in, in uni. But why, why do you think that there aren't enough like young girls either in STEM or interested? In why them? do I think there are? Not enough young girls interested. I, I think it's partly to do with perception. Like there's one um, 
like workshop that I know a lot of people do when they have kids like grouped together for this kind of thing. They're like, oh, draw a software engineer and they all draw some like white dude with glasses and a skateboard. <laughs> yeah. And it's like they don't see themselves in what a software engineer could look like yeah. because they yeah. don't know like what they do, for example. And I think there definitely needs to be more like awareness that yeah. anybody can go Can't into go it. Into yeah. yeah. No, I definitely resonate with what you're saying because we were saying this in one of our previous podcasts. Two things we said was, I remember it's my experience coming to uni as a guy, you know, from London wearing Air Forces, jeans, hoodie. I didn't necessarily look like your typical developer. Mm. So, yeah. and I, I kind of felt sort of like slightly I didn't fit in. Do you see what I'm saying? Until yeah. I met, you know, my friends and stuff like that. So I think perception is very important. As well as um, one of the things we found in our previous podcast was females actually do do better than boys in or girls do do better than boys in sort of engineering and all that stuff they find in schools however it comes to a certain point in their life where they just decided to like basically drop off and decide not to do it yeah and do you think perception plays a key role in it i think perception yeah. is a key role i'm i always struggle to think what like yeah. other things uh, could come into that because it yeah. just didn't happen for me but i think perception does play a big part of it sweet also you know like I'm sure in this journey, it comes with challenges and stuff. Were there any factors specifically as a female that almost stopped you from pursuing a career in tech? And how did you overcome them? I don't think there were specific factors as a female. Mm. Um, I think it's always uncomfortable, like, being at work. And I think it's less so now because FutureLearn make a conscious effort to Mm. try and um, advertise roles to different types of people okay. but i've definitely been in a lot of meetings where you're the only female in the room yeah. or the least experienced female in the room too where you just like you said you don't fit in yeah mm. and one of the things that is like a motivator for me is seeing like the impact that you can have on other people's lives so whether yeah. it's being a stem ambassador and people seeing you as like someone to look up to yeah or going out and doing talks at conferences and you being the only black person there and like inspiring other people to get into those roles too that is something that keeps motivating me because eventually there will be more black people in the room and there will be more women in the room it's just gonna take a bit of time absolutely Mm. yeah Uh, that's great so i have like i have a sister who's 12 and i have one who is 15 she'll be 16 soon um the 12 year old is really really interested in like because i guess speaking about perception mm. is what she sees me do you know she sees me recording a podcast she sees yeah. me making websites she asks like what do you do at mm. work i think i've even sat her down and she's helped me like create a, like html pages and because also i think they started bringing those programs into primary school yeah, then. Absolutely, yeah. um so what advice would you give like my two little sisters um you know what, what advice would you give them that they're interested in stem or computer science like I would say, like, just do it. I think one of the things that young kids have is, like, a bunch of ideas. Like, oh, I could do this cool website. I remember talking to a girl who wanted to have, like, a Minecraft website. Yeah. Um, If they take the time to, like, learn some of the skills, even if it is basic HTML, and build out some of their websites and see their ideas in real life. It's, I think it will really change their perception of the kind of things that they can do going forward. Yeah. So I think definitely learn some coding. I definitely agree with you like two days ago my young sibling came up to me was like I want to start a blog and build a website how do I I was just yeah go do it do it so like can I do it and I was like of course you can like Mm. nothing's stopping you if you need any help along the way ask me so Mm. I definitely like that advice absolutely so you're lucky your sister asks you if she can do it yeah My, my first sister was like I want to start a blog I'm like okay great he's like Make me worse. <laughs> <laughs> like she sat me down. We did an all night, yeah. like actually, like in one night, so how to build the WordPress website, and oh, this wow. is still there. Like ah, that color is not nice. I'm like, you're not paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. No, absolutely. The practical experience is definitely needed, definitely, mm. and also to make it fun in a way whereby you know it's something they're really interested in. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like for example, I don't think it's just. I don't think we should just say yeah tech and stuff and just go build stuff i feel like it should you know collide with their interests so Definitely. if you're interested in fashion design or architecture yeah build a website that's involved in that or build an app around that do you mm, see what i'm saying i 100%. feel like when i do hear this talks it's always about yeah like you know build that website but it's not it, it never speaks about you know combining it with their interests yeah. so yeah. find what yeah. you're interested in and you know build something through that really that's what i always say to be honest and that's how i started yeah i also have a a younger sister she's like three years younger than me yeah Mm. um and she was looking at like 
some HTML courses. Yeah. She was going to some code bar sessions yeah. in London. And she's like, oh, it's a bit boring, but I'll just carry on learning anyway. I was yeah. like, you know, you can build something like you're interested in. Yeah. It's like, what about our friends? She loves exactly. friends. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. she built like a friends random episode generator and she Whoa. was so oh, into it. That's so she cool. So, so into it. <laughs> that's she's actually really cool. Look at my website. Yeah, that's cool. And all of a sudden it like came to life for her. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that makes a yeah. huge difference. See, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like it should be presented more like that mm. rather than just learn to code. Yeah. Just you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Something yeah. you're interested in, like build an idea through that. Yeah. Absolutely. So similar to Brandon's question, right? I wanted to ask you, what advice would you give to a young female graduate who has just finished uni and, you know, wants to pursue a career in tech? I would say uh, to network as like cliche as it sounds. Mm-hmm. I hate the idea of networking, yeah. but it makes, makes a sense. huge, huge difference. So there are lots of meetups in London for yeah. different types of tech. I went to Front End London. They do a session every month. They get like three speakers on something to do with the front end. Brilliant. Um, I think there's one called Elbrook for Ruby. People are interested in Ruby on Rails. Okay. Um, There's like JavaScript London. Yeah, I've heard of JavaScript London. Yeah, that one's another good one. There are so many out there. And then you meet people that are doing jobs in different companies. Brilliant. And like you get to talk to them and they Mm. like remember you. Um, I'd also say, like, speak at events and conferences. Yeah. I think that puts you on a platform that shows, like, what you can do and mm. the kind of things you know about. And as somebody that's underrepresented in tech, that also makes an extra huge difference. For me, especially, speaking at conferences. Yeah. I've had people, like, message me on Twitter to be like, oh, by the way, we have this job opening. I think you'd be good for it. Fantastic. Like, Come on in. Or we have this other, like, technical lead role. Or, yeah. Like, you get spammed on LinkedIn just because <laughs> you've gone out there and like yeah. shown that you can do the job. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. I just want to quickly ask because you, I, I know you, you do speak, and but how does someone get into that? Because I think you briefly mentioned earlier on about like a site, and then they tell you like maybe there's a speaking out of school. Or, yeah. So can you just give like just thirty second, one minute, just touch on how you can actually get into it, or maybe website you can go to that would, you know help you to kind of get into speaking at places yeah so um there are lots so the meetups that i mentioned that you can just go to for networking they're always looking for speakers so if you just have an idea um around that kind of topic Mm. you just send them an email and say i've got this idea can i speak brilliant they'll like 90 percent say yeah um and then if you're interested in conferences it's more about going to specific conferences that you're interested in and Mm. they'll have like a call for papers about a year sometimes before the conference is going to happen and you go onto that website so it's usually like a google sheet form thing that you fill in you say this is the title that my talk is going to be this is what it's going to be about and they will get back in contact with you with you whether you've got a spot on the conference or not conferences are generally a bit harder to get onto because People come from all over different countries yeah. and there are less slots. For example, you've got 10 people speaking in one day, uh, whereas meetups are a great way to practice because they're like regular every month. Yeah. Lots of different people speaking. Okay. Brilliant. Uh, oh, we'll put some, some of these links. If you can give us some of these yeah, links, we'll put sure. them in the podcast yeah. notes for anyone who wants to check them out. Yeah, definitely. Just before we let you go, by the way, we always ask questions about any books, you know, people currently read in or any podcasts you're listening to. Are, are there any particular in mind you would suggest and you also said you like watching stuff to learn yeah Yeah. so i'm not listening to any like tech related podcasts right now okay what podcast you listen yeah what podcast you listen (laughs) to i just want to know um i listen to the receipts podcast okay interesting podcast by uh girls from london okay um that's mainly it on the podcast front yeah i watch a lot of like conference talks so Brilliant. one that i was watching a little while ago was about ask versus guest culture yeah with mm-hmm. like the british culture we have a, a tendency to assume like what people are saying <laughs> between the world between the two words where yeah. other people are like i'm just gonna ask you straight yeah. out and i've spoken yeah, yeah that can come across in different ways but some people believe that yeah, i'm just gonna get straight to the point and that's a better way to do it yeah. that was quite an interesting talk Brilliant. um i watch lots of leadership talks too nice i'm reading radical candor by kim scott and that's um, a leadership book on oh. how to it's almost like from one side not beat around the bush when you yeah. need something from someone yeah. but also not be too 
like nice nicey nice about leadership yeah like you need to get the best out of someone so it's like finding that middle ground in the middle ground brilliant mm-hmm. i mean one i would suggest if you wanted to check it out which i haven't read myself yet but apparently everyone raves about it is um high output management mm-hmm. you might want to check it out it was written by one of the founders of i think dell or hp like in the early stages and how it was started and stuff and yeah. he basically talks about management techniques for leaders and what they could use within their organizations and it's definitely one in my wish list so yeah when i do read it i'll probably let yeah. you know or if you do check out apparently it's really good though so um how can people contact you if you want to contact like if they have any questions you have any socials email what would you prefer um twitter is probably the best way to get okay. in contact what's your at at tara underscore ojo ojo i spell okay. it by default because everyone asks me. <laughs> <laughs> sweet brilliant yeah. so yeah thank you again for coming on to the podcast we really appreciate it yeah, genuinely enjoy, enjoyed that yeah I definitely it was, it was a great discussion and it was interesting getting your perspective as well and as we always say if you really want to come back and have something to say feel free to come back yeah. Oh, yeah brilliant how have you found it it's been really interesting brilliant. first podcast is cool yeah oh is it your first <laughs> oh, one yeah, really no, oh, nice. oh brilliant nice it's nice yeah thank Thanks you so much for having me yeah no worries no problem, it's been a no pleasure so we'll probably have your back we'll definitely back. sometime we'll when you're like the vp of yeah. um i'm just saying uh, like you know to... vp of tech or vp of you know yeah. uh, no, at, at that time we we'll do the introduction okay so guys we have the Ms. cto Tara Ojo. <laughs> she is the founder and creator of she is yeah. uh, over two million views on her tedx um <laughs> video um she sold a book and she's done this uh, this and that and uh, yeah exactly yeah so just don't forget us you know when, when you get to that place yeah <laughs> you, you know how they say nigeria uh, when you blow when you've blown, don't forget <laughs> us. So don't forget us. Well, nah. No, Literally. sincerely again, thank you for coming and we genuinely appreciate it.